backlash against sexism in politics. Bowen would be right up, right next to him, cuddling, cuddling. I think Andrew Wilkinson has a lot to answer for in terms of what he ha feels is acceptable within his caucus. The reaction from the target of the comments and from party leaders. The young victims of a weekend crash. And I know they had each other. How tragedy shortened two lives full of promise. And long live the long border. It's a feeling that uh, you have to try it. A nearly 90-year-old adrenaline junkie with a need for speed. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sexism in politics just became an election issue for many, with NDP MLA Bowen Ma responding to comments about her made during a Zoom call among the Liberal caucus last month. MLA Jane Thornthwaite has already apologized for what she said, and tonight Catherine Urquhart has Ma's reaction and why she says the Liberal Party leader needs to address the issue too. NDP candidate Bowen Ma arrives at a press conference and wastes no time questioning B.C. Liberal Party leadership. The video of B.C. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson watching on as a multi-term B.C. Liberal North Shore MLA sexualized my interactions with another multi-term B.C. Liberal North Shore MLA is a deeply uncomfortable characterization of my efforts to extend kindness across partisan lines. Andrew Wilkinson can be seen laughing along with others as North Vancouver Seymour Liberal candidate Jane Thornthwaite makes several comments about Ma. Bowen is, you know, very pretty lady and uh, she knows that she's got it and um, she knows how to get Ralph going. During the roast of retiring West Vancouver Capilano MLA Ralph Sultan, Thornthwaite also says and this. Bowen would be right up, right next to him, cuddling, 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 and, and Ralph would be enthralled with her. On Sunday, Thornthwaite apologized. The intent was to, to be funny, and in retrospect, obviously, it fell flat, and I apologize for that. I have reached out to Bowen. I uh, did leave a message on her voicemail. She didn't pick up, but I also gave her an apology as well. And obviously, I've got to do better. Wilkinson tweeted an apology, but isn't making himself available for interviews. We reached Ralph Sultan by phone at his home here in West Vancouver. He declined an on-camera interview, saying what happened is between the two women. Among those who are reacting, an SFU researcher who studies gender inequalities. Unfortunately, something that many women have experienced, um, that um, they're always criticized for what they do and how they do it. In this case, uh, Ms. Ma was criticized for how she approached a fellow politician. Ma told reporters it's not just about her. Rather, it's yet another example of sexism and we need to do better. Young women deserve a province that encourages them to take on leadership roles without fear of sexism. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The fallout from that controversy will undoubtedly spill over into tomorrow night's leaders debate. Richard Zussman now and what else we can expect to see when the NDP leader and Green leaders face off and what some voters want to hear. 
Low-name recognition, no platform, and a brewing controversy around sexism. Welcome to the 2020 televised election debate, Andrew Wilkinson. You might have to do something dramatic, right? Like... Uh, if he does something really dramatic to try to demonstrate that there's no space for this in the party, uh, then maybe he, he can pull something out of this. Political scientists agree the circumstances heading into the pinnacle event of the election campaign couldn't be worse for the liberal leader. But one good moment on Tuesday night could change that. This might be the perfect time for the Bowen Ma story to have come out from the Liberals' perspective because the debate can kind of change uh, the story a little bit for them uh, in the next 24 hours. With less than two weeks until Election Day, voters are focused on a path forward, not on what leaders have accomplished so far. So now, about two weeks ahead of the vote, is the real time when the leaders really have to make a difference and convince voters that they have the right plan. COVID-19 clearly the issue mattering most to voters, but there are many other things on the electorate's mind. Really would like to see some discussion on homelessness as well as the medical system. As a small business owner, I'd love to see something about small business relief. I'm from Surrey, so uh, I think hospitals, uh, hospitals that should be a good issue to debate. Both Wilkinson and Green Party leader Sonia Furstenau taking a day off the campaign trail Monday. Horgan, the only party leader with an announcement and a much different mindset than his showdown with Christy Clark three years ago. Liberals were telling British Columbians what to think of me, and now British Columbians can make up their own mind. They've had three years of watching me. Uh, I smile way more than I scowl. The opposition hoping to wipe the smile off Horgan's face, especially the Liberals, not just preparing for a debate Tuesday, but also set to release its full platform in the morning. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. So much to chew on for tomorrow night. Keith Baldry joins us now for more on the debate and what we can expect from the leaders. Keith? Yeah, these debates usually don't have a big uh, impact on the eventual outcome of the election campaign. I think we've had seven debates uh, ever in BC's history, televised debates. I'd argue maybe two had a, a, a direct impact on the outcome. Nevertheless, everyone's different. So this one, uh, different expectations. As Richard said, Andrew Wilkinson, Sonia Furstenau, largely unknown to British Columbians. This is their coming out party. For the first time, a lot of people are going to get their first glimpse of these two leaders and we'll make an assessment of how they do. John Horgan, uh, under a lot of pressure, because he's going to be the target for both uh, Mr. Wilkinson and Ms. Firstenau. They're going to be coming after him. He's the front runner here. Firstenau has to target the voters on Vancouver Island, where the Greens are strongest, but where the NDP is very strong as well. And Wilkinson has to basically perform a balancing act here, not to be too aggressive, but to be to the point in his criticisms of Mr. Horgan. It's going to be interesting. And of course, Mr. Wilkinson goes in under a cloud as a result of not yet answering questions about the sexism controversy. So this is the first time I think we've seen a debate where one leader goes in with a significant problem on the eve of that debate. Worth tuning in for, for sure, Keith. Thanks very much. Yep. I look forward to the coverage tomorrow night. The BC Leaders Debate, a reminder, airs tomorrow night starting at 6.30, following an abbreviated news hour on Global BC, BC One, and online. Then at 8 p.m., we hope you'll tune in for the post-debate special with Sophie Louie, myself, and Keith Baldry, along with our political panel. And we'll have some comments about who won and who lost. That's tomorrow. And as Richard Zussman touched on earlier, BC NDP leader John Horgan made an affordability promise in Vancouver's Olympic Village today, speaking from Hinge Park alongside his Vancouver candidates, Brenda Bailey, Spencer Chandra-Herbert and George Heyman. Horgan pledged that his party would extend the rent freeze to the end of 2021 if re-elected. The NDP would also put a permanent tie, permanently tie future increases 
to the rate of inflation and reintroduce the failed promise of a $400 renter's rebate for households earning up to $80,000 a year. It's critically important that we help each other, particularly those that are most vulnerable during this most extraordinary of times. None of us thought we would be in the midst of, and the grip of a global pandemic. But yet here we are. So we need to make sure we redouble our efforts to make sure families are safe. Well, a uh, new B.C. study is turning some so-called conventional wisdom about homeless people on its head. The charitable group Foundations for Social Change teamed up with UBC and gave 50 recently homeless people $7,500 each and then studied the impact. Ramina Dea has the surprising results. My job, my, my house, my everything, my... My money, it was, it, was, it was gone. Ray is one of 50 homeless people who received $7,500. No strings attached. The result? It's, it's awesome. In a radical study, Foundations for Social Justice and the University of British Columbia followed 115 people who had been homeless for less than two years and who were not struggling with serious addiction or mental health issues. Only 50 participants received the lump sum cash. When you trust people and when you give them the trust to make their own decisions, that ultimately they do the right thing and, um, and are able to really help themselves. Researchers say the money was not squandered on drugs and alcohol. It was primarily spent on housing, food, clothing and transportation. We found that spending on alcohol, drugs and cigarettes decreased by 39%. Uh, that's remarkable. That defies that stereotype we have in our mind of people who are homeless. A big chunk of the study funded by taxpayers. We started off with a federal government grant of about half a million dollars. Okay. And then the rest came from private donors and foundations across Canada that want to see um, innovation within the space. Okay. Can you tell us who those private donors are? No, I cannot. Okay. Why not? Because these people are have not asked to be identified and have not checked with them. The cost of doing things the same far greater to society, say researchers who estimate it costs $55,000 a year for social and health services to support one homeless person. Robina Dea, Global News. RCMP are asking for some help in locating a missing Richmond man. 69-year-old William John Suds was last seen late Sunday night. He's six feet, four inches tall, has a beard and mustache. Suds may be driving a black 2011 Kia Soul SUV with BC license plate AT164M. Police are very concerned for his health and well-being, so if you have any information, you're asked to contact police or Crime Stoppers. A truck plunges into the river on a notorious stretch of road. Two teenage passengers were trapped and tonight, their loved ones share stories of the lost potential in the young victims. That's next on the News Hour. <laughs> okay, 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 In 60 years of broadcasting since this station went on the air, proof that sometimes the show does go to the dogs. That's coming up a little later on the News Hour. And when no one could get a hold of a Nobel Prize winner, his friends and neighbors made sure he got the good news even if it was in the middle of the night. That's later. Right now, though, we are learning much more about the two young women killed in a horrific crash in Chilliwack over the weekend. Ruby Hawakingma and Rachel Plowman died when the truck they were in plunged into the Fraser River on Saturday evening. 
Tonight, their families are reflecting on their painful loss and wondering if the tragedy could have been prevented. Grace Key reports. This is her and at four. That's the first day we met her. She's a sweet little girl. The Kingmas adopted Ruby and her little brother from Liberia, and growing up, Sparkle was one of her many nicknames. Ruby lit up every single room that she walked into with her joy, her um, just ability to make people feel at ease, to make them feel happy. Rachel Plowman struggled with drug addiction, but it was her two-year-old son, Elijah, who gave her new focus. She never, never gave up. She knew that my nephew was the only, the, the only thing she needed in her life to make her life full. 18-year-old Ruby and 17-year-old Rachel were killed 11.30 Saturday night in Chilliwack when their car flipped along Ballam Road and ended up submerged in the Fraser River. The 21-year-old male driver was rushed to hospital in critical condition. I'm never going to hold my sister again. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss her voice. I'm going to miss the fight. She was in school to be a hairdresser and had dreams of becoming a nurse one day. She wanted to get married and have kids. When we were little, she wanted 12, but seeing how many kids we had, she was like, maybe I only want four. (laughs) The collision remains under investigation. Police are also determining if speed and alcohol may have played a role in the crash. It's a sad end to what should have been a, a happy story. Grace Key, Global News. Still ahead, a milestone for a giant in BC broadcasting. And then one fine day, I just decided that enough was enough. The pioneering legacy of Shushma Dat and why she's signing off now. And an expensive, inexpensive wooden box stolen in a recent break-in. Why the owner says what was in it is priceless. Traffic is steady here in both directions this evening through Richmond on Highway 99 to and from the Massey Tunnel. Keep in mind, overnight maintenance has you down to a single lane both ways from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Is your hearing important? Connect Hearing is Canada's number one physician-referred hearing health care provider. Visit connecthearing.ca for a free hearing test. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. High above- woman is hoping a public appeal will lead to the safe return of some of her stolen property. Her home was broken into last week, and one of the items taken is a small wooden box. And while the box has little value, as Global's Megan Turcato reports, the contents of it are priceless to the woman who is desperate to get it back. So they came to this back window, used my patio chair, and then punched a hole into the glass. Darlene Richard came home Friday afternoon to find her Elliott Avenue house had been broken into, and jewelry and electronics were missing along with a small box containing the ashes of her childhood cat. I'm disappointed. I mean, I've had this cat since I was six years old and he passed away when I was 27. And I've been lugging him around for a good 27 years. You've taken care of it for so long that you're, I'm just angry that someone took it. She's been searching the area with friends and neighbours for her cat's ashes. Richard feels the thief for thieves may have thought the box contained jewellery and ditched it Once they discovered there was nothing valuable inside. Today we're heading towards uh, Pandozi area towards town just to see if it got dumped in a 
side of the road or in a bush somewhere. The ashes were in a small wooden box, roughly three inches by five inches, with a small padlock on the front. Richard is now hoping people in the neighborhood will be on the lookout for the sentimental item. Not everybody's an animal lover, but for those of us that are, it is very important to me. And I don't care about the other stuff. I really just want to get his little box and his ashes back. As Richard continues her search for her pet's remains, she's also installing video cameras to deter anyone from attempting to break in again. Megan Turcato, Global News, Kelowna. Now, to call her a pioneer would be an understatement. One of BC's longest-running broadcasters is bringing an end to a major point in her career. Shushma Dat, known simply as Shushma to her many fans, was the first person of South Asian descent in the Canadian broadcast industry. And as Erin MacArthur reports, she's been a leading champion of her community and her culture. My name is Shushma Dutt. I'm a broadcaster by profession. Shushma Dutt's career as a broadcaster has spanned four decades and three continents. Starting out at the Times of India, she worked at the BBC before moving to Canada in 1972. Overcoming racism and sexism at every turn, she is still on the air, a broadcasting pioneer. It was a little difficult because I was a woman and, you know, women don't do things like that. But I continued because there was nothing else I could do. Broadcasting was the only profession. I don't even know how to cook. So, so that's the In the early 1970s, job. the Canadian mainstream media told her she was unhirable because of the way she looked and sounded. Dat, a single mother, didn't back down, instead charting her own course, telling the South Asian community's stories in her voice. I'll never be a, a host on uh, BCTV, used to be what we, Global is now, um, I'll never be on CBC, but I can have my own, and that's what I've done. By the mid-1980s, she owned a radio station the first 24-hour dedicated South Asian broadcaster outside of India. Now she owns two profitable radio stations. She's the first Indo-Canadian woman to be granted a CRTC broadcast license. Looking back at her career and the hurdles she faced as a young woman of color, she says systemic racism that put so many obstacles in her path is still there. Young women come up to me uh, and say to me that, you know, we watched you, and we said, if she can be on television, so can we. Dat isn't really hanging up her microphone. She has no plans to retire. The 74-year-old Order of British Columbia recipient says she will keep the radio stations running. She loves coming to work every day. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Still to come, prime time to pick up some bargains. We are prioritizing the safety of our customers and employees first. How retailers are kicking off the holiday shopping season. And a boat with no one at the controls, a full throttle mistake that could have been much worse. 60 years of bringing you the stories that shape our history. 60 years of Global BC. In partnership with Connect Hearing, your hearing is important. Take care of it. Not overly busy end to the Thanksgiving long weekend over here at Tawasson Ferry Terminal. The 7 p.m. to Sorts Bay is half full. 9.05 sailing to Southern Gulf Islands is at a quarter capacity, and the 8.15 to Duke Point is sitting at half capacity. 
Kermat, Collision, and Autoglass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. This isn't Donald Trump's country. It is yours. This shouldn't be Donald Trump's judge. It should be yours. The chairwoman of the strong Senate words from Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar as confirmation hearings begin today for Judge Amy Coney Barrett, President Trump's pick for the open seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. Klobuchar called the hearing a sham as she railed against Republicans for proceeding while the country deals with the COVID-19 pandemic during an election year. Barrett's confirmation to replace Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg would create a 6-3 conservative majority on the court, and there are fears that could lead to a rollback on abortion rights and health care access. The hearings are set to last four days. U.S. President Donald Trump is back on the campaign trail. The president saying he's tested totally negative for the virus, something his doctor backed up today. Meantime, a new poll indicates the lead of Democratic rival Joe Biden is growing in some key states. Tonight, a return to the campaign trail for a president still recovering from coronavirus, seen boarding Air Force One without wearing a mask. President Trump holding a rally in Florida tonight, kicking off a week of campaign stops after hosting a campaign-style event at the White House Saturday. First of all, I'm feeling great. I don't know about you. How's everyone feeling? The president's physician, Dr. Sean Conley, issuing a memo late tonight saying the president has tested negative. For days, the White House had sidestepped questions as to whether President Trump had tested negative. Conley over the weekend simply said the president was no longer considered a transmission risk. The president also now claiming COVID immunity, although the science isn't clear. Once you do recover, you're immune. So now you have a president who doesn't have to hide in a basement like his opponent. President Trump attempting to spin his bout with COVID-19 to his political advantage. But a new poll shows the president far behind Joe Biden, 54 percent to 42 percent among likely voters. Biden campaigning in Ohio today. I view this campaign, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, between Scranton and Park Avenue, between Toledo and Park Avenue. All Trump can see is from Park Avenue is Wall Street. After his rally tonight here in Florida, President Trump is set to hold campaign events this week in Pennsylvania, Iowa, and North Carolina. Joe Biden set to campaign here in Florida tomorrow. The election now 22 days away. Widespread anxiety and anger across the U.K. today as Britons worry they could soon face new restrictions because of rising coronavirus levels. COVID-19 cases are on the rise again in northwest and northeast England. And one of the government's leading medical advisors is warning the country is at a crucial juncture in its second wave. Britain's prime minister announced Monday that England will move to a three-tiered alert system for COVID-19, which could temporarily close pubs and restaurants in any virus hotspots. Wakefield can't afford to be in another lockdown, just like Leeds or anywhere else. We've got several businesses that will be hundreds of people out of work that will never know whether when they're getting the furlough or if they're getting furlough. Local leaders in Northern England have denounced the national government's wage support plan as inadequate. The UK has experienced Europe's deadliest virus outbreak with more than 42,000 confirmed deaths. 
An out-of-control boat on a wild ride caught on video in Florida. Aerial video from a sheriff's office helicopter shows the boat speeding across the St. Lucie River. The boat hits a dock, goes airborne, and hits a second dock before finally coming to a stop on shore. Three men were on the boat for a photo shoot Friday night when they all fell overboard. The men dove under the water several times to avoid being run over by the watercraft. Some call it the Super Bowl of savings. Prime Day is just hours away. That's when Amazon says it offers its biggest deals of the year. And while it could be the perfect time to stock up and get going on your holiday shopping, it's not just Amazon that's offering the big deals. There are still 74 days to go till Christmas, but the holiday shopping season is already underway. After a three-month delay, Amazon is rolling out Prime Day Tuesday and Wednesday, as rivals Walmart, Target, and Best Buy drop their prices on the same days. On Amazon, the best deals will be price cuts on their own products, like two Echo Dots for under $40. At Walmart, shoppers can save over $200 on a gel memory foam mattress. And at Best Buy, expect to see the price of a Samsung 70-inch 4K TV slashed nearly 30%. Best Buy CEO Corey Berry says discounts will be as good as the real Black Friday to reduce the crush of post-Thanksgiving crowds and prevent potential shipping delays. We are prioritizing the safety of our customers and employees first. That will give people a longer frame of time to find great deals, but shop in the way that they want as customers in the way that feels safe for them. Amazon also says employee safety is their focus. It's our number one priority. We're making all the changes uh, necessary in order to ensure that our associates are first and foremost safe, and then we can deliver against the needs and wants of our customers. As pandemic unemployment remains at record highs, retailers are also bracing for shoppers to stick to tighter budgets. With no new aid expected from Washington and the $600 a week unemployment checks long in their rearview mirror, more than half of shoppers say they plan to spend less this holiday season. As retailers drive a hard bargain to get shoppers back into the holiday spirit. In Health Matters, new government support benefits come into effect for Canadians who have missed work because of the pandemic. The online application window for the new Canada Recovery Benefit opens today. The program replaces CERB, but it matches the $500 a week benefit for up to 26 weeks. A new caregiver aid program takes effect today, and Ottawa is anticipating as many as 700,000 Canadians will apply. Still ahead, the street surfing senior. They do it because really it is fun. A longboarder cruises towards his 90th birthday. And how pets have played a big role in the history of this television station as we approach our 60th anniversary. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It's Bob Wilson. Why a Nobel Prize winner had to track down his neighbor in the middle of the night. Coming up right after Christie's forecast. And just before we get to the weather, what started as a healthy freestyle habit 30 years ago is now a downhill addiction for a Vancouver Island senior. Kylie Stanton has more on the path he's carving out and how his tricks and turns are inspiring others. 
So helmet is on. From a very young age, we're taught safety first. I won't get road rash, you see. A lesson that seems to stick no matter how old we get. So now I'm ready to walk. But especially when you're approaching 90. Here we go. And doing this. You lean and uh, the skateboard obeys, you see. There are a lot of reasons Gunter Gooch likes to ride. It's addictive. It's the cheapest way to travel, really. But it always comes back to just one thing. They do it because really it is fun. The Nanaimo man who turns 90 at the end of this month has been longboarding for three decades now. What started with his doctor recommending a walk after dinner. Gooch took it from there. I walk up to the mailbox, get some mail, get everything ready and then come barreling down. As a former surfer, the sport came naturally. Because you have to have the balance with centrifugal and gravity, whatever is there. It uh, gets you into harmony with all the forces in the universe. It's a feeling that uh, you have to try it. And with every ride, he's inspiring others to do just that. It's not very common you see somebody, that, especially that age, zipping around the, uh, the neighborhood on a skateboard. I think everybody's pretty impressed with him. His wife included. First of all, I'm out of the house, which is always a blessing. But uh, now she, she realizes that I'm still alive and well. So Not a lot of 90-year-old men could do it. So it's, I think it's amazing. And so he's going to keep at it. His stamina is still, for a 90-year-old, you know, it's uh, good. Proudly refusing to act his age. For as long as he's able to. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Kylie comes off of maternity leave and she's just knocking it out of the park every day. <laughs> Love that story. Me too. So cool. All right, uh, Christy, yeah, look ahead and uh, we're seeing our first snowfall around the area in some areas. Hey? So exciting for all the skiers and snowboarders out there, myself included. Yes, this was a scene in Blackcomb uh, today, or sorry, Whistler uh, today. Um, so yes, yeah, snow on the mountains. We even had it on the local mountains yesterday, but these are the warnings that are in place right now. So starting in the west, Coquihalla and Allison passed 5 to 10 centimeters overnight and through the early morning hours. Kootenai Pass and the Connector expecting up to 20 and Rogers Pass up to 30. Now, again, the bulk of this will happen overnight and early tomorrow morning. But if you're driving at the Rogers Pass area, you may likely see that into the afternoon hours tomorrow as well. Quick look at the connector right now. We're seeing snow on the side, dry there. The system really will push in overnight. So that's when we're going to see it. But still, there's a chance we could see flurries as people are traveling. It's the end of the long weekend, of course. So make sure you let anyone know that is traveling that we could see uh, snow. Recommended cold weather driving anytime it's below zero it's recommended that you have snow tires but as of october 1st it is required by law that you have snow tires if you're driving any of the mountain passes not just if we're going to see snow by law all the time so good reminder and we're going to see wind warnings so uh, we have wind warnings in place so sunshine coast east parts of vancouver island and western sections gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour up to 110 for the northern sections and for these areas in yellow just below warning criteria up to 70 but even at 70 kilometer an hour winds uh, gusts, we still could see power outages and delays in ferries. So when can this happen? Well, overnight, the system will push on shore. Strongest winds on the outer coast overnight. But into tomorrow morning, we'll start to see them pick up southern Vancouver Island, inland sections, including Metro Vancouver. Now, for our region, we'll likely see the gusts continue into the afternoon hours. Now, initially, they'll be out of the southeast, but they switch to be the west later in the day. So your commute to and from work will likely 
be impacted by both wind and rain. So give yourself some extra time. So areas in the caribou central interior may wake up to a bit of snow. It should change over to snow, or sorry, rain pretty quickly and that snow would wash away. But certainly don't be surprised if you see that snowfall for lower terrain. Now our region wet and windy and we're going to see that throughout the day. But after that, Chris, it looks like we're in the clear and I'll leave you with your central windows weather window, which is a great shot. This is leaving Carameas, hopefully not for too long, but a really nice shot looking down the road there. Thank you to Corey. Love that. Good memories from this summer traveling that highway. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, earning the Nobel Prize is a nice surprise, but the news really seems to have snuck up on one of the winners early this morning. Paul? It's, it's Bob Wilson. That is Nobel Prize winner Robert Wilson trying to rouse his neighbor and fellow winner Paul Milgram in the middle of the night. When the Nobel Prize committee couldn't reach Milgram, Wilson and his wife went next door, repeatedly knocking and ringing the doorbell. Milgram's wife in Stockholm, Sweden, got a security camera notification on her phone and she watched the whole exchange live when her husband finally answered. Paul, uh-huh. it's, it's Bob Wilson. Yeah. You won, won the Nobel Prize. And so they're trying to reach you, but they cannot. They don't seem to have a number for you. We gave them your cell phone number. Yeah, I have. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that might be how we'd all react. Milgram and Wilson, both Stanford economists, shared this year's Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences for their work on improving auction theory and inventing new auction formats. Well done, guys. You know, I'm, I'm not sure we should be showing that because <laughs> some burglar out there sees that and thinks, like, that's a good idea. Hey, I'm here because you've won a Nobel Prize. Right. Open the door. Uh, yes. Uh, Hopefully never... people will be on to that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if you know you're not a physicist or something like that, don't open the door if someone yeah. says that. What a, uh, what a weekend for sports and what a day for the Canucks. Well. What's uh, happening? Yeah. Well, the Canucks have a new defenseman. It's a guy you watched in the playoffs just recently, Nate Schmidt, who used to play for Vegas. Yeah. Here's a shot scored. Nate Schmidt with a point blast. And the goal. You could say he essentially replaces Chris Tanev, but he provides a bit more offense than Tanev ever did. All right, look forward to that. Also coming up in 60 years of television, how dogs have provided some of the most memorable moments both on and off screen. Canuck Nation seemed like their hair was on fire as Squire <laughs> obsesses about his tonight. Well, Although it looks good to me, man. Not when I do that, it doesn't. <laughs> I'll just keep looking this way. Uh, the uh, Canucks needed to get some defensive help because, of course, they lost a couple of veterans in free agency, Tanev and Stetcher. So this afternoon, they made a trade. They sent a third-round pick in 2022 for Vegas defenseman Nate Schmidt. The Knights had to make that move because they signed former Blues captain Alex Petrangelo as a free agent for big money. Now, Schmidt does play a lot of minutes, so he'll be a main guy for the Canucks. 
But his price isn't cheap. He makes just under $6 million a year for five more years. He's 29. He's been with the Knights for their three-year existence. Before that, he was in Washington, so he knows Holtby and Beagle. It's a good replacement for Chris Tanev because he does have more offense, and he is pretty responsible defensively. So this could be a good pickup for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, if the Tyler Toffoli trade, the Vancouver from L.A., was a tweet, people would say that didn't age well. A second-round pick and a good prospect for Toffoli seemed like a good deal for the Canucks, but not anymore, because today he signed a four-year contract with Montreal for $4.25 million per year. So essentially, the Canucks traded away future for 17 games, 10 in the regular season, 7 in the playoffs. The uh, trade, in hindsight, is, I'd have to say now, officially a mistake. And it's too bad, because he really wanted to stay here with his buddy Tanner Pearson. And he did give the Canucks a chance to roll out two lines that can score, because he could play in the first line with Pedersen, or on the second line with Horvat, But because the Canucks couldn't keep him around, all you can say is it was fun while it barely lasted. And this is what getting yourself in a salary cap mess can do to your team. A lot of fans will think this free agent season has not gone well for Vancouver. They lost to Foley, Troy Stetcher, Chris Tanev, and Jacob Markstrom, although I'm not sure I would have given Markstrom the kind of deal he got in Calgary with Thatcher Demko sitting right behind him. But what you're seeing is the collateral damage of past free agency disasters. Louis Erickson and his big contract. That was like buying a sports car and the wheels fell off as soon as you drew, drove it off the lot. Two years ago, they signed Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel for $3 million each. Bought them six guys who provide energy and checking, but not for that kind of money. You shouldn't be paying for that. I don't think there was a bidding war for either of those two guys. And if there was, the Canucks shouldn't have gotten involved that deeply. Those contracts have come back to bite the Canucks. Right now, with the uh, trade for Schmidt, Vancouver has just under $2 million left to spend. The uh, Seattle Seahawks are still unbeaten, 5-0. But if it wasn't for their fourth-quarter heroics and their second-half comebacks, they could easily be 1-4. Their defense hasn't been great, but one thing about the Seahawks' defense, it has been able to make a big play when it needs to make a big play. Like yesterday... In the win over Minnesota, they stopped the Vikings on a fourth down situation, giving Russell Wilson time to put together a winning touchdown drive. When they take Russell Wilson's temperature before games, I wouldn't be surprised if it was near freezing because nobody is cooler under pressure. On the winning drive, the Seahawks had to make two fourth downs. The first one was full of moxie. Instead of going just for 10 yards, Russell Wilson threw it deep down the sidelines at DK Metcalf. And nobody on the Seahawks sideline was worried that Wilson wouldn't get it done. And express to uh, people out there what it feels like when we're going on the field, even though it was 94 yards away in the minute 25 or whatever it was, in a timeout, um, it didn't matter, you know. And you give Russ four downs and he's going to find a way to make a first down. And, and uh, he's, got some, he's got some drama in him now. Anytime we're in that moment, um, you know, it's easy for us to just go out there and just play our football because, you know, we know that guy, the guy at quarterback can make anything possible, anything can happen, um, and, and uh, he can deliver uh, when the game's on the line. You, should, you guys should see the confidence that we had 
on the sideline. Everybody was just so positive and optimistic. And we knew even when it was fourth and 10, it was like, we're going to find a way. And um, when you just have the belief as a team, when you have Russell at quarterback, anything is possible. Well, this seemed impossible. Abbotsford's Chase Claypool yesterday against the Eagles. I have to relive this one more time. I know Barry showed you this last night, but Chase Claypool, four touchdowns against the Eagles. And let me point out that Chase Claypool, a rookie, didn't have a preseason. He just had to work out in the offseason and show up ready to go. And man, that kid was ready to go. What a draft pick. And aren't we all proud of the way he plays? And why am I looking like this again? Because my hair is stupid. Back to you. Claypool making the most of it for sure. 7-11, always open. Exactly. All right, here's Jay Durant now with a preview of Global News at 11. Jay? Thanks, Chris. We were keeping an eye on the weather warnings that are up for parts of B.C. Winds on Vancouver Island could hit up to 100 kilometers an hour. And in the southern interior, a snowfall warning is in effect for the Okanagan Connector. You could see 15 to 20 centimeters overnight, and that could pose problems for those returning home from the Thanksgiving weekend. We'll have those stories more when you join us tonight at 11, Chris. All right, look forward to that. Thanks very much, Jay. There is no dog under the set here on the news hour tonight but at one time there was that story coming up next global bc 60th anniversary in partnership with connect hearing the number one physician referred hearing provider Fun to see some of that stuff. Well, over the past few weeks, we've talked to many people who have helped shape the station in our look back on 60 years of broadcasting. But it hasn't just been people who have influenced the news. Here at Global BC, there's been a big connection with man's best friend, Squire Barnes, now with a peek behind the curtain. Global Newsroom is a busy place with busy people. Probably too busy to notice this little inspirational sign that harkens back to an earlier time in this newsroom when a dog could truly have his day. Especially Charlie, Tony's dog, who would sit at his feet during the entire news hour. Charlie was, um, Charlie was a rescue dog who needed a home. He followed me into the studio one day and just jumped up on the set and laid down and slept for an hour. Can you move just a little bit? I don't remember the moment I first saw him, but um, I thought, yeah, that's a good gimmick. Maybe I should get a cat or something. And it wasn't long before every viewer knew he was there, and he became one of the most famous dogs in B.C. I don't think anybody had ever done it before. I don't know, and I don't know really why I did it, but I did it, and and it came to be a thing. Tony got Charlie through Eileen Drever, who of course has brought in lots of dogs to the station for Adopt-A-Pet. And while Charlie was her most famous find, Ginger, the overly friendly pit bull, was a close second. Yeah, the dogs got out of hand fairly quickly. And I remember I said, let's just let them play for the segment, because that's an awesome two minutes. And she's like, no, I don't think they get along. Now, this is Ginger. Hi, Ginger. Ginger just loves people. I love Ginger. 
It's a two-minute segment normally, and that segment felt like two hours. Like, it never, it was not ending. I had no makeup left. When I saw Ginger jump up, I thought, I was really nervous. I was really nervous because I didn't know if she was going to topple the chair. I didn't know what was going to happen. Okay, okay. Okay, Ginger. Okay, Ginger. Oh. And while it looks like things are going wrong, this is a happy accident. It's going brilliantly. You need a wee bit of training. Yeah. Really? You think? <sighs> And because of the way it went down, it went worldwide. We got emails from all over the world. I got phone calls from South America, all wanting to adopt Ginger. Anyway, so Surrey SPCA, we're overrun with dogs. You need, and they're all crazy. Stop nipping. The purpose of those segments was to get these animals, dogs, adopted. Absolutely. So we want them to be charming, well-behaved, and polite. <laughs> And we totally failed. They totally failed. We didn't fail. They totally failed. You're right. But they didn't fail. They became a YouTube sensation, and they both got adopted. <laughs> that was classic, classic television. And Ginger could not have picked a better dog person. Yeah. Randy just loves dogs. And, and I remember when Randy left the station on the morning show, they brought Ginger back. They found That's the owner right. and, and she started licking her again. <laughs> there you go. She, she so, can identify a good person when she meets her, obviously. Yeah, and it's so nice to see Randine again. Yeah, very cool. Okay, last word on weather maybe before we go. Let's sneak that in. So wind and rain pushing in overnight. Give yourself extra time for your commute to work. We could see pooling water on the roads as well as the potential for power outages. All right. Thanks for the warning. Have a great night, everybody. Hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll be back tomorrow.